Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Money FM 89.3, it is now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Danka together with Ziaul Raushan. And today we're talking about news uh, that uh, there is going to be a salary cap. Not music to anyone's ears. Yeah, unfortunately, when anyone talks about salary, it's a bit of a eggshell mm. situation. And I think the UEFA president has been uh, quite confident to come out strong and say everyone thinks there needs to be a salary cap. I mean, this is the wider conversation of perhaps the sport moving away from the fans and the money getting a bit too much. Mm. And that's why he's come out and say perhaps players do need a salary cap to try and keep the budgets in check, right? Yeah, so this is uh, in relation to the UEFA president, as you mentioned, Alexander Seferin, right? Um, And it's important to note uh, that the regions, right, they all have different governing bodies. Now, if you look at Major League Soccer or um, football in America, uh, there is a salary cap there, which is why you don't see many big stars go there. They kind of have to rework the budget. I just finished watching uh, Drive to Survive, uh, the Netflix sports documentary about Formula One, uh, and there was an issue about budget caps. So... The idea of that is to help the lesser-known teams, and same thing in football, the the smaller teams, have some kind of a fighting chance. Yeah, it's trying to level the playing field almost, right? I mean, with F1 especially, there's only 10 teams, and the gulf can be quite big between your Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bulls, and then the lesser teams. But coming back to football, I think that gulf is becoming a bit too apparent. Not Mm. so much in the Premier League, perhaps, because there are a lot of teams who are doing well with a relatively small budget, the likes of Brighton, the likes of Brentford, but when you look over in Spain or Italy, it's always the the, the predictable few who are mm. top of the pile. And that's to do with budget, right? So I think Seferin is trying to you know, develop some fairness in the game by suggesting there should be a budget cap. And he's come out on record and saying, surprisingly, everyone agree- agrees, big clubs, small clubs, state-owned clubs, billionaire-owned clubs, everybody agrees this was Seferin talking um, in, in relation to this. And I'm not entirely surprised because... It's no question that the smaller clubs want a fighting chance when they want to compete, right? And a salary cap could perhaps be the way and that way at least the 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 structure is somehow gate kept. I don't know, man. I think it's interesting that we're having this discussion, uh, you know, where we're talking about a salary cap so that bigger clubs and smaller clubs have a fighting chance. When, you know, if you look at sports or even as a whole, uh, you haven't even sorted out the gender inequality. You haven't even sorted out gender inequality when it comes to salary. And I don't just mean in the professional world like you and I in other countries. Uh, I mean in the world of sport as well. They still keep talking about this prize money and all that. Oh, but this one, let's give uh, the clubs a fighting chance. Yeah, it's a bit weird, right, in terms of priorities. I think it was a couple of weeks ago we did discuss this salary mm. discrepancy between the different genders in sport itself. And I think some time ago they said uh, rather ambitious deadline of 2025 or something and to your point perhaps it needs to be addressed first before this salary issue but it's one of the issues that need to be addressed and if Seferin is listening perhaps a suggestion could be rather than a salary cap what about a bonus or incentive based salary structure yeah. where the baseline is set there is a cap on certain structures but it's very incentive based where then the owners for bigger players is still to do well but you only get paid more if you do well I think that structure might perhaps not 
take away the credibility in terms of a bigger club. They are bigger clubs for a reason. They are yeah. allowed to splash the cash. Yeah. I think to hamstring them like that with a salary cap might be a bit unfair. But if you can work in a bonus structure, which I'm sure the accountants of these clubs are already working on over time, that could perhaps be the way forward. It's a difficult situation, right? I mean, the one thing that you can't really, um, how should I say, put a limit on are stadiums. And if you have good stadiums, great facilities, these bring in fans, these bring in ticket sales, entertainment sales and you have a bulk of profit there but if they had from the start stopped this crazy club bidding ownership right and the mindset but then how do you argue this right the mindset that um uh the best players should get paid the most money. You get these super agents coming in, right? Unlike a certain model like, uh, for example, the NBA where uh, things are traded, contracts are, are, are set out that includes an amount of sponsorship money, very unique deals, or even uh, in the, the NFL, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing there. Uh, how how can you put equality on this? It's, it's already blown out of proportion. Uh, the three examples you bring up, NFL, NBA, as well as the MLS earlier, they're all American models, right? And they yeah. seem to yeah have it right in terms of keeping some sort of a structure, some sort of a fairness going. So perhaps the UEFA can take a couple of pages out of those books and try and balance things out. Because to your point, finances is a very difficult subject in football at the moment. Yeah. Look at Barcelona, who are mired in all sorts of trouble, yeah. yet they're going out spending a copious amount of money, not necessarily on transfer fees, but on uh, wages for the levers, likes of Lewandowski. Levers, as they call. <laughs> exactly, levers. And now suddenly, they have enough money to revamp No Camp. It does reek of financial lack of integrity yeah, when it comes yeah. to finances. So I think in football, especially because the the gulf is so big between certain clubs, like we touched on earlier in the likes of Spain, I think there needs to be something done to try and keep checks and balances in place. Yeah, and again, I mean, if you look at other countries uh, within uh, Europe, for example, Arsenal, they for a while imposed their own sort of salary cap, um, which worked out great until the point that they were not winning any trophies because, uh, you know, humans are greedy. I want the most money. If I'm the most talented, I believe I deserve the most money. Okay, uh, and then you got Germany, which is partially owned by fans. Uh, I think at least 50 or 51% owned by fans. What does that do for their model? And how have they suffered? Well, you've seen how uh, Bayern Munich have dominated the league uh, for, for decades. Uh, yeah, this season, it looks like Borussia Dortmund might crack that. Hopefully, they do just to change things up. But do you see anyone else winning the league other than these two? Yeah, I think the argument to that is with Bayern Munich, yes, they might lose the league to Dortmund this year. But chances are Bayern are just going to come out and buy Dortmund's best players next sure. season and then it's status quo all over again, right? So therein lies that 50-50 egg and chicken situation yeah. where do you want to dilute the, the excitement level by putting this in place between the bigger clubs, right? So I think it's a conversation that needs to be continued. Yeah. And Seferin, while he says there needs to be a salary cap because we are looking at maintaining the integrity of the sport in that same press conference he speaks about hosting the UEFA Champions League final in America which has then thrown out thrown things yeah. into question in terms of it's the European pinnacle of European football why are you hosting in America clearly money is a big money. big motivation so it's a bit like a bit contradictory, if you ask me. It's just like all these uh, pre-season tours, or sometimes having uh, the, uh, the 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 what do you call that Merseyside derby in Spain? Oh yes. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name for the life of me. Uh, the 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 Classica. Yeah. They have it in in America mm. just for what ticket sales and mm. all of that. Mm. I mean, shouldn't the incentive be you know? Um, 
qualifying for the Champions League. The incentive be going after that prize money. And you're already getting more money because of uh, ticket sales through Wednesday night Champions League football. Yeah, you you would So why not? Yeah. Exactly. The 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 fans almost have become secondary in this equation, right? You talk about El Clasico or the Clasica being held so far away. Yeah. And there's there's various questions whether the sport itself is there to entertain or to serve a bigger purpose or is there is it just there to make the most money possible and I think while for example the European Super League has not been mentioned oh, as much I do feel like something like that must be brewing in the background where eventually these clubs are going to want to come through so on this this point that you've made, right, sports going beyond just sports but entertainment as well. We've got news this morning that Formula One uh, has introduced uh, this new format called Sprint Races. We've seen some of it this year, I think even last year as well. Uh, and they're, they're going to introduce more of this. Uh, in fact, we'll see it this weekend at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, they're going to introduce more of this next year, like a, a sprint shootout of sorts to make the, the entire season more exciting I mean I'm getting confused you you follow Formula 1 a lot better than me I'm getting confused <laughs> yeah at, at this point when they first introduced the sprint race I believe last year or the year before they trialed it at 3 races and then yeah. last year it full-fledged got uh, launched in 7 or 8 races I think there was a lot of backlash from the teams because just to make people understand this slightly better, the sprint race is, replaces the traditional qualifying yes. on Saturday. So then whoever triumphs in the sprint race, it's a reverse format where on Sunday that affects their grid position. But overall, just because this sprint race was mooted, I think for fans, it's exciting because it's a 100-kilometer race to the finish line and sure. it's, it's who comes out on top, right? But the problem with that is it costs the teams a lot because if it's a mad dash like that, then a lot of cars are going to end up damaged, which then costs financial burden to the lesser teams, even the bigger teams as well. So I think that's where a lot of the team principals, the likes of Gunter Steiner at Haas, mm. had raised some concerns about this format. And it seems like F1 has now come to a slight compromise where they're going to say, okay, the sprint race will remain, but it will not affect the grid position for Sunday. So now qualifying is on yeah. Friday and then sprint race on Saturday and then the race day on Sunday. If you ask me, this is... The confusing. Topic. Exactly, it's super Engine confusing. Engine parts, limitations to that, fuel load comes into play. Look, Formula 1 is already a confusing sport as it is. It's not a sport won by the driver. It's a sport won by the 100 over people in the back room. Uh, data management... So, so what is the point of this? Then I myself be in a situation where if I've got the money, I throw it to the best power car, uh, and and I'm guaranteed to, to win. Yeah. Tactics. I mean, where, where does tactics come in? That's where the the problem lies, right? Is it an entertainment industry yeah. or is it a sport industry? Right now, it seems like the Americanization of Formula One is pushing it towards that entertainment yes. factor, and and that's very fast and furious, and, and, you know, sprint races. Exactly, and you can you can almost imagine yeah. an American expression off the top of your head. No, Vin Diesel's going to be in a car. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, they might make that happen in Vegas yeah. for all you know. But that's the problem because right now, there might be the purists, the Formula 1 purists who want it to remain qualifying. One Qualifying is by far yeah. my favourite part of any F1 oh, weekend of course, yeah. because it's one lap and everything goes yeah. into that one lap, yeah. right? Now, suddenly with these new formats, I mean, can't fault them for trying, but you do question the intentions in terms of are you just doing it for your headlines or are you doing it actually for the betterment of the sport? Right now, the cons, unfortunately, outweigh the pros. I don't know where sprint
sport is going uh, at the moment. I mean, you, you, I haven't even, we haven't even dived into the fact that that there's social media that plays a part into all of this. The entire job description of a professional athlete has changed so much. You wonder in ten years' time, when we're much older, how things are going to change so much. Yeah, it's, it's a scary prospect, right? And then the question lies: Does sport matter, or is it all about money? To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM. 893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.